Welcome to the Expanded By Podcast. I'm your host, Chelsea. I'm a business mentor, brain rewiring certified coach, and soon to be 7D, a high energy healer. On this podcast, we're going to be talking about all things business growth, spirituality, brain rewiring, mindset, energetics, and so much more. You can connect further with me on Instagram at Expand with Chelsea and on YouTube at Expand with Chelsea. I am so excited that you're here. I hope you leave today feeling expanded by what we talk about. Let's dive in. Hello and welcome back to the podcast. I am so excited to have you here. You are in for such a treat today because today on the podcast, I have my past client and friend, Kelsey Keetle. She is one of the most incredible individuals that I've ever met. I swear to God, this girl has had like six lives by the time that she was 29. Like her story is absolutely fascinating. I cannot wait to introduce you to her and share part of her story with you as well as her wisdom and her knowledge. Kelsey is a mental health professional and she was one of the first people to offer outdoor-based therapy in the United States and she works now specifically in Indiana and she also offers remote mental health coaching all over the globe. She is genuinely one of the most compassionate human beings that I have ever met, and it radiates through the way that she speaks, through her content on Instagram, and I know you're absolutely going to love her. It was such a pleasure having this conversation with her, and we touched on so many different topics during this episode that I already know that I want to have her on again. I cannot wait for you to listen to this episode. But first, we're going to go into some updates. So if you've been listening to the podcast, you know, there's a lot of things going on in my personal life, which I'm really psyched about. And and things have just been going really well lately. I had one of my highest sales weeks in a really long time last week, which was awesome because I'm actually allowing myself to be supported. I'm allowing people to do things for me. I know, crazy concept, but it's a good reminder to everyone out there that when you actually allow yourself to be supported, you can turn your energy and attention elsewhere. I know it sounds super basic, but it is so important allowing yourself to be supported, which is exactly why I created the Quantum Leap. This is my six-week one-on-one mentorship container through an app called Voxer. Voxer is like a walkie-talkie. Remember when you were young and all you wanted were walkie-talkies so you could talk with your best friend day in and day out? That's exactly what I am, your biz bestie that you can ask questions to at any point in time that they come up because as an entrepreneur, as a business owner, you never know when things are going to come up, whether it is a tricky client situation, whether it is scarcity mindset creeping back in, whether it is, oh my God, do I need to have a free event or free masterclass for my launch that's coming up in a week? What do I do? That's, again, what I'm here for, for you to ask all of the questions, pick my brain for six weeks. We kick off our time together with a one-on-one 60-minute call so you can fill me in on all the details of your business, everything that's going on, bring me up to speed, and then we are off to the races. I have just a couple of spots for the Quantum Leap. The next time that this offer opens, it will be at nearly double the price point. This offer is going to close tomorrow, Friday, February 3rd. So if you're thinking about joining 
cleaning this container, I would do so sooner rather than later because again, that price point is going to go up the next time that I open these spots. The amount of questions that you can ask is unlimited. You have 24 seven on demand, high level support from me. I am a multiple six figure business owner and I've have helped business owners from just about every industry that you could think of from nutritionists, coaches, those working on nonprofits, photographers and filmmakers, therapists, jewelry makers, bloggers, web designers, and so much more. The Quantum Leap is a container that is designed for business owners to have that high-level on-demand support so that you can work through things in real time instead of saving things for calls or waiting until you have your next appointment with your coach. We are working through all the things exactly as they come up so that you can move through them at lightning speed. That's why I named it the Quantum Leap because when you truly face things head on over six weeks, your life is going to change immensely. You're going to be a completely different person and business owner on the other side of the six weeks. And if you want to save this in your back pocket to use for later, maybe you're planning a big launch in the next couple of weeks. After purchase, you have two months to utilize the Quantum Leap so you can buy now at the current price point and then cash it in within two months of purchase. You can learn more by heading to the links in the show notes. Again, there are just a couple of spots and this promotion ends on Friday, February 3rd. And the next time that I open these spots, prices are going to increase by quite a bit. This is one of my all-time favorite ways to work with people because, I mean, okay, I have a podcast, but like truly I love talking and I love, love, love being asked my opinion and my advice on things. Like this is where I thrive. You get six weeks with me one-on-one as your coach. I'm with you every single step of the way. If you want somebody else's eyeballs on your business that has built an incredibly successful business, I can tell you exactly what works, what doesn't work. Hey, if you need to shift this a little bit, okay, Let's add a couple more stronger call to actions here. I can take a look over anything that you have, whether that's website, email, copy, content. We can come up with strategies for marketing that don't make you feel like your soul is dying. Okay, again, head to the link in the show notes. Offer ends tomorrow. I'm super excited about this and I'm so pumped at everybody who has already stepped into this and I cannot wait to support them over the next six weeks. This is going to be some mega transformation. Coming up in February, so the rest of this month, which holy moly, this year is just like flying by so fast already, I'm going to be having a big freaking sale on a high energy healing sessions. If you have been waiting to experience a high, I'm going to be having an opportunity to join a healing circle for free, which I've never done before. So if you are curious about this, or maybe if you already know that you love a high and you want in on this, make sure you're paying attention next week because I'm going to announce how to join. There's going to be a limited number of spots available, and then I will be opening up spots for one-on-one a high sessions after that. So probably around mid-February. I don't open my books very often throughout the year, maybe only three or four times. So once they go, once the spots go, then the spots are closed and I won't be opening again until I have availability. So if you are curious about this, make sure that you are paying attention closely next week because that's when I'll be announcing everything. Okay, that is my updates. I can't wait for us to get into this conversation with Kelsey. I absolutely adore her and I know that you will too. I'll 
also, I don't know if you've noticed, but it's, well, where I'm at, it's 333 right now. Oh my God, it is. Angel numbers. I forget what three means. Um, I feel like twos are like relationships. One is like beginnings. I can't remember what three means. But what number is it where you are? Um, It's 12, one, two, three, four, actually. Oh, so so three is femininity, creativity, and intuition. There we go. I'll take it. Yeah. I mean, that's very fitting for this this (laughs) podcast episode. Okay. Kelsey, welcome to the show. I'm really excited to have you here. We were just talking before jumping on about how this conversation started back in, I don't know, May, and it's now (laughs) December and we are tying up all of the loose ends and I've been excited to have you on the show for quite a few months now. So I'm pumped that we are finally making it happen. We're going to talk all things boundaries today. We're going to talk about the difference between therapy and coaching and I'm sure a ton of other gems along the way. So for my audience who might not know you yet, can you give a little bit of background on yourself. Yes. And thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. So my name is Kelsey Keidel. I live in Indiana where I'm um, an outdoor based mental health counselor and I'm also a mental health coach. Um, And so, yeah, I work with people on their mental health in Indiana um, where we meet either in my office or on hiking trails, walking on greenways, in parks, all the things outside. And then I also offer telehealth, so virtual counseling, also for people in Indiana. And then my coaching services are for people anywhere. So that's what I'm doing. I love that. And I'm curious, okay, so how did you end up in Indiana? Is that where you've always lived? Yes, born and raised. Born and raised, and we're here (laughs) still. (laughs) I've been working my way up the state, though. So I'm originally from Evansville, which is like the, okay, Indiana is shaped like a boot. Evansville is like the big toe. Um, It's as south as you can get. Um, Living there kind of felt like I was more from Kentucky, really. And then, yeah, I went to Bloomington for college, which was a couple hours north. And then I moved to Indianapolis, which is where I live now um, for grad school. And I've been here for like six or seven years. I love that. And the analogy is really helpful, the boot analogy. I'm like, oh, I absolutely get where things are now. Like, I feel like they didn't maybe, maybe I just wasn't paying attention when I was learning about geography when I was younger. But you realize how much you like really don't know about places that you don't live and how like <laughs> limited your knowledge base is. So I'm curious too, you know, where did the outdoor piece come into play? Because you do a lot of sessions with people where they have the option to go outside and go on a hike or just be be out in nature with you. So have you always loved the outdoors? And where, yeah, where did you start incorporating that? Because I feel like that is a really, that's something that not a lot of therapists can offer. Yeah, yeah, it's really special. Um, If I'm being honest, like in Indiana, I'm really one of the only people that offers this. There are other therapists who will offer walking in general, but I'm really, um, I'm rare in the sense that I will take you like on an actual trail in the forest or something like that. Um, I grew up camping a lot, uh, like car camping. Um, We didn't have a whole lot of money growing up. And so that was like a really easy way for us to recreate as a family. Um, And so truly, 
I was a competitive dancer. And so it really was like, if we weren't at a dance competition, we were camping. Um, and that was a big part of my upbringing. And then when I was in like high school and definitely college, I strayed away from the outdoors. I think it was at a time in my development where I was kind of embarrassed that that's what we did. Uh, as you know, a lot of teenagers are, you're like, oh, we do this thing that's kind of mm-hmm. weird. I go camping with, with mom and dad. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and so I was kind of embarrassed by that. And so I really, I mean, I was also really, really busy and involved in school. And so I just kind of strayed away from the outdoors And then in early adulthood, I kind of went through this massive, um, you could call it a quarter life crisis, but it was like the best crisis that could have ever happened. And um, during that time, I really started to go back to the outdoors. I would just go on little solo hikes at state parks and I was um, pretty into rock climbing at the time too. And was just starting to explore the outdoors on my own as a way to become uh, more empowered and to experience solitude. A huge piece of my story was that I didn't really have a lot of my own identity. I was very much a chameleon. And so in the outdoors, I was able to go and like just be by myself and be me and let my brain kind of do its own thing. And then along with that, My dad uh, was battling cancer for a couple years and he really instilled like a love of nature. Like he, he um, taught me about nature. And so part of my like grieving process and healing process with that was also going back into nature. And so I, I really got back into the outdoors at that time. And now I do like all the things outdoors. I like to mountain bike and hike and backpack and climb and um, do all this stuff. But um, through that, I was like, you know what? Someday when I have a counseling practice, I really want to incorporate nature into it because I think it's just such a great facilitator and setting for some really profound professional or personal development. And um So that's kind of where that seed was first planted. And then it kind of evolved and grew along the way. Yeah, you have one of the, and because you and I have worked together for a good chunk of this past year, you have one of the most interesting stories of anyone (laughs) I have ever met. And it is so unexpected. Like there are, in my opinion, there's like so many twists and turns in there. And you have, I swear, like you're on like your fourth life at this point. And you're like, what, 20, 20 some years old? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You're like so young to have had all of these experiences. And, you know, as, as much as you're comfortable, I'd love for you to share a little bit more on that identity piece and kind of how you started to not only like realize like, okay, I I would like love to start having my own identity, but some of the challenges that you faced when you realized like, whoa, I've, I've been doing all of these things and I, I actually don't think that they're me. Yeah. I, I love sharing this part of my story and it is so <laughs> funny because yeah, I'm 29, but I feel like I have had every life experience that you could possibly have in a lifetime in like the first quarter of my life. Yes. Um, yeah. 
which is yeah, super cool. So let me think. I really was like your classic people pleaser. Um, and I was really good at it. Like it's a, it is an art form, I think, or it can be. And I definitely like knew what I was doing. And so I historically have been like a very well-liked person, but it wasn't always because I was being authentic. It was because I knew exactly like what to say, what to do. I was really good at just kind of playing the system for lack of a, a better way to say it. And which was great. I mean, it got me a lot of opportunities. It it got me a lot of uh, different and interesting people in my life. But then I got to this point where I was, let's see, I was about 24-ish when I started kind of feeling this nudge of, okay, something's off here. I was in grad school for counseling. Um, my dad was sick. I had been married for a couple years and I married my high school boyfriend, uh, which I think is like an important little detail. We had like just recently been excommunicated from a Christian church. I was starting to realize like I have all these ideas and these beliefs and these desires that I know are real and I know they're valid, but they don't match the person that I have been living as. But I know that they're like more true to who I actually am. And I was just really exhausted with being who everyone thought I was, who I thought everyone needed me to be. Like it was just exhausting. And so I had this conversation with my spouse at the time and was like, I think I'm going through a change and I don't know what that is going to mean for me. And I don't know what that's going to mean for our relationship, but I know that I have to lean into this and I can't ignore it. And he's a really good person and um, was like, yeah, I want you to be like healthy and happy. Do what you need to do. Let me know how I can support you. And at first, the answer to that was, I know that I need to become more independent. Because up until that point, I had really relied a lot on significant others for like everything, my confidence, my financial security, my identity, like everything. So that's when I started doing some of these like solo activities um, I like got my own bank account for like the first time in my life, pretty much. Cause we married like a month after college. So, I mean, I guess I had a bank account during college, but, um, yeah, we, I just started doing some little things just to feel like I could function on my own because that was a big thought that I had in my head was like, I want to know that like, if you died tomorrow, that I would know how to function in the world, like beyond grief and emotions and things. But like, I, I don't know how to do anything without like the buoy of a significant other. So I started doing that. And the more time I spent alone and around that same time, I started my internship uh, as a school counselor. 
And at that time, I started to develop a lot more confidence. And it was truly like self-confidence because I would walk in the school building to do my job that I was really good at. And people knew me just as Kelsey. I wasn't like so-and-so's wife or so-and-so's girlfriend or whatever. And that gave me a lot of confidence to continue exploring like, okay, who am I? Spent a lot of time alone in the woods, just doing things um, in solitude. And then I got to a point where I was just like, I think that I am supposed to be on my own. And so it happened pretty quickly, honestly, maybe like six months from there, we ended up getting divorced. And um, of course, there's like a lot of other steps in that story. But um, so yeah, I was like 25 ish um, and divorced and learning how to be a grown up and graduating grad school and uh, just dealing with life really on my own for the first time. And I developed so much confidence and like self-understanding through that experience. Yeah. Was there ever a time where you questioned like, what am I doing? Am I just blowing up my entire life? Like, what, did, did those thoughts ever come into your head? Oh yeah. Sometimes <laughs> because everyone around me was like, what are you doing? Like yeah. I had everything in like air quotes. I had everything that a young girl would want, right? Like I had, uh, this like wonderful marriage. I mean, it really was, it was good. Like I had this great marriage. I was, you know, finishing grad school for a career that I loved. So it was like, one decision after another to some people looked like destruction, but I think for me, it kind of, it was like a rebirth and it was really exciting. Even when we like left the church to some people, you know, that was like devastating and like, what are you doing? I mean, I lost pretty much any community in Indy I had at the time I lost. And then what I did have left here, um, after we got divorced, I kind of lost those people too. And I I had like a few people who really at the time were not even close friends, but I was like, I think we're friends enough. Like, can we, can we kind of build something out of this? And that was really cool. And are now some of my like very best friends, but yeah, it looked like destruction on the outside, but on the inside, I knew that it was like exactly what was healthiest for me. Right. Like that's, there was really no other option at that point too. And you know, I, I'm so glad that you were able to share some of your story because I think a lot of the times that's how we learn best is hearing other people talk about these types of things where somebody might be feeling like a little bit of a nudge or an urge to like do something that like maybe logically doesn't make sense. Like you need to separate from this person. It's been a good marriage, but like you gotta go. And people are like, wait, what? Why would I do that? And then we question it, right? And we stay out of alignment for a long time. And then things start to happen. Like we get sick or, you know, like a major life event happens and we're like, what? why is my life falling apart now? And it's like, the universe is like, well, I, I tried to put you on this path. I tried to give you those nudges, but like you weren't listening. So like, I had to push you. Like I had to get your attention somehow. So you were able to just actually listen to those and take those steps. So what is something then that you would say to somebody potentially going through or feeling like these urges, would it just be to like, just follow them? And like, you know, if you're feeling fear, like that's fine, but you just like got to keep moving. 
Yeah. Yeah. That's a good question. I think for me, when I look back on it, like the biggest piece of advice that I think I could give someone is to just know that like your voice is the voice that matters the most in your life. Um, because like I said, so many people are like, wait, what are you doing? I don't think this is good for you. And they meant that out of love. Like no one, no one really was like mean to me during any of that. They were just like concerned, but even through their concern, I knew that like my concern mattered more. And that's not to say that there weren't fears too. like specifically with the marriage piece. I remember having a conversation with one of my friends and I said, I know like right now I'm committed to this person for the rest of my life. I know that if I end this relationship, there is a possibility that I will be alone for the rest of my life. Like, I don't know, like who's gonna, like, I just don't know. Uh, That might be out of choice or it might be because I just don't find another person. But even through that fear, I knew like, it would be better for me to to do that than to like fake my way through this or be in something that would end up making, you know, me and the other person bitter or whatever. So even even in the fear, like I think your voice still matters the most because other people are going to project their fears onto you too. Um and so yeah, I would just say like yeah, seek counsel, like seek advice from people don't try to go through what you're going through alone, but just remember that like your voice matters most because it gets to a point where like these decisions and these feelings are coming from a space so deep within you that like no one else has access to that but you. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I feel like you almost need more of like a neutral party as well because yeah, like the people around us, like they really do care deeply about us, but they're also a little bit biased. So it can be nice, I think, to have that like sounding board that like, yes, does have your best interests in mind, but it's more of like, I don't necessarily know all of your backstory and, and everything. And they can provide that a little bit better. Yes. Yeah. And that's like what I love so much about counseling and I recommend it or coaching even like to people all the time is because like when someone's sitting on my therapy couch or we're hiking together on a trail, like I don't care what decision you make. I just want you to be safe and healthy and happy. That's all I want. And so my job is to just help you get there to a place where you can make a decision that you feel integral about. And like, that doesn't affect me. Like, I do not care. I just want you to be safe and happy and healthy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And however you need to get there is is how you get there. So I'd love to ask a little bit more then about your... and and. The whole theme of this is really transition, right? Like big life transition, like from one chapter to the next chapter. I mean, fuck it. It's probably like from one book to the next book. Like, I don't even know at this point if like Kelsey's doing chapters. I think she just like starts a new book every time. But I'd love to hear a little bit more about your transition from school counselor to then working in your own practice. So when did you kind of know that it was time for you to move on to doing something else and was there something like big or major that happened? And what kind of drew you to, I mean, honestly, like you could have just joined a, a a practice with other therapists, right? But you wanted to do your own thing. 
Yeah, it's really interesting because for a while I was considering just switching school districts. Um, I was fortunate enough to be employed by the school that I did my internship at. Actually, like a couple of weeks into my internship, I was given a a full-time position there, which is really rare. But so I learned really fast. And overall, I really enjoyed my time there. Um, But there was a lot of, well, anyone who works in the education field can vouch that like, it's, it's not healthy. Um, If someone says it's healthy, I really want to know like where they're at and what they're doing. (laughs) Can I, can I also work there? Like that's, that sounds like a dream. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, So yeah, it's just, it wasn't healthy. And what, what I thought at first was perhaps like a district problem. I later came to realize that it was more of a systemic issue of just the education field in general. Um, But so for a while, yeah, I was thinking about moving to a different school because I had this idea in my brain that I was not going to go into private practice until maybe 10 more years. And that was kind of like my long-term or my long game plan. And then, you know, at the same time, I was always talking to people about my dreams of having a practice of my own and doing things the way that I wanted to, incorporating nature and all this stuff. And I knew I would be really good at it. And a couple of key people in my life were kind of just like, why don't you just like rip the bandaid off and do it? It's very evident that you are like beyond burnt out and that this is like what you really are passionate about. And some of those people who spoke that into me uh, were some of the very first entrepreneurs that I knew personally too. So I think that's really cool to just look back on that. But So yeah, I kind of just decided to go for it. And um, I was still finishing up some of my licensure requirements. So there were some pieces in there. Like I had to find someone to supervise me and stuff like that. But it was a pretty smooth transition. I gave my school like a three-month notice because I really wanted them to find a good replacement for me. And then... Meanwhile, I just started working on the back end of my business. So like website, policies, all that good stuff. That summer, because I had summers off, I kind of took that summer to relax and rest. Had a couple medical things I was kind of dealing with. And then um, that fall, I saw my first client. And it was in October is when I saw my first client and have just kind of been full steam ahead ever since. So yeah, I've been doing this for a year and two months. I love that. <laughs> I love that. It's, it's crazy because it's like, it's kind of been a while, but it also hasn't. Like in the grand scheme of things, like a year is like not that long if you think about it. But like at this point, like you have like a full wait list. You have people reaching out to you every single week. Like I think the thing that I want people to understand is that if they're kind of like in their, their like full-time job still, like things really can change so quickly, like overnight if you let it. Right. But if we have like one foot in one foot out, like it's so much harder for us to step into the direction that we want to go. It's kind of like, what are you, what's the message that you're telling the universe? Right. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And like, for me, which (laughs) you know, this, I'm the kind (laughs) of person who 
Like I am all in 110% with stuff that I do. Mm-hmm. And so I knew that for me, I couldn't do the like side hustle, like, okay, I'll start seeing some clients while I'm still working in the school. Both jobs are so demanding, but also like I want to give like everything to what I'm doing. And so I just knew that that kind of transition would not work for me. So I just, I quit my job. I went all in on the counseling practice. And then I had a side job at a climbing gym along the way. And then I just, you know, would like taper back as I needed and um, eventually was able to stop working there and then um, was able to do this full, full time. And that only took like, so I saw my first client in October and then I was full time, hundred percent by March. Yeah. Yeah. Which really isn't that long. Like if you, again, if you think about it, like life can literally change overnight. And I'd love for you to talk about and share some of the biggest challenges in working independently as a therapist in, I I don't know how to phrase this necessarily, but it's, it's, you and I have talked about this. There's a lot of like scarcity mindset with therapists in terms of like pricing and what to charge and how many clients to take, right? There's a lot of burnout in that type of work. So what are some of those biggest things that you've come up against and then kind of decided to do it differently than a lot of the, the therapy community that already exists? Yeah, I love that you brought this up, especially, you know, hoping that maybe some other therapists are listening to this Um, because it's absolutely true. I think in the helping professions, especially, there's a lot of guilting and shaming of people who are trying to like legitimately make money and make a good life for themselves. And yeah, like this might ruffle some feathers, but I feel really strongly about it. Like there are, uh, I've seen like just in different uh, forums and stuff, a lot of shaming from like therapist to therapist, which is like disgustingly ironic because we're supposed to be like the least shaming people. But um, yeah, a lot of shaming of like, wait, you're charging this much for your services? Like that's so, you know, selfish or whatever. And, you know, on one hand, there absolutely is an element of social justice that is like a core ethic of the counseling field. I don't want to dismiss that. And like, even to speak to that, I have a handful of clients at all times who I'm seeing either like um, pro bono or like a very, very low um, fee. and that's because I like, that's important to me. But at the same time, in order to do that, like the people who are able to afford my services, they are paying um, like premium fees. I think that has been like the biggest one is kind of like deciding what your price is. And for me, I really feel like with all things, you generally get what you pay for. And I'm a good therapist. And so like, I want to be adequately compensated for the work that I do. Um, and so that's been a big piece to like work through. And I work through that a lot with you. Um, and then, and that's something that I feel really like confident in now, which I think is a really cool, um, another piece scarcity wise, I think is in regard to 
picking clients. I don't really know how else to phrase that, but I think this is applicable to like so many other professions as well. But, you know, sometimes in the beginning, when we're really just kind of desperate for clients, we will just take on anyone and everyone. And while maybe that does work for a season, it gets you some experience, some exposure, it helps you figure out what you are actually really good and passionate about. I don't think that that is a good long-term practice because we all have things that we are really good at and we all have things that we're kind of not the greatest at. Like one thing I've been realizing is that while I loved working with teens in the um, education setting, in private practice, I don't really feel like I'm the best uh, counselor for teens. And I'm okay with that. And so I have a list of people who are rock stars with teens and I refer those clients to them now. Like when I get inquiries about teens, I almost always send them to someone else now. And I'm happy to do that um, because I do know that I'm really, really good at working with adults and young adults. I think that's hard though, because sometimes you're like, oh no, if I send these like last week, I seriously sent away like four people. And I think back to like a year ago, I would not have done that. I would have been like, oh my gosh, I need those four and I need four more. And now I'm kind of like, no, I'm going to send them on so that I can have room for people who I know I can like serve the best and really enjoy serving. I love that. Was there a point where you realized that like, okay, was it like massive burnout? Was it like overwhelmed that you realized, okay, A, I probably need to price myself (laughs) a little bit better and I need to be a little bit more selective on who I take on? Yeah, um, I think it was kind of like a burnout feeling of just coming in and knowing like, okay, I'm meeting with this person who I care deeply about. I want good things for them. And I don't know that like that's me and it, it made working like it made it hard and I don't mean hard in like a, a challenging way. Like I know that I, like, I know how to counsel anyone, but I just felt like the work should have been more enjoyable and a little bit more, uh, easeful or easy, I guess. I don't know if easeful is a word. (laughs) 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 Um, and so That was kind of like an eye-opening moment. Another eye-opening moment was, yeah, when I hit a point where I was like, my caseload is too full and I really wanted to take this person on, but I can't because like I'm, I'm too full. But a lot of these people I'm full with, I feel like would actually be better served somewhere else. Like it was just a lot of like realizing that like everyone takes up space. And so it's like, who's who would be best in that space um, and who could I serve best in that space and who would be better served by someone else. So that was kind of like a defining moment for that. And then I think another moment for it too was over the summer, I think it was the summer, um, I had an unexpected surgery um, or an unexpected need for a surgery. And that was kind of a wake up call because I had to take some time off of work And I was just like, well, wow, if I um, was, you know, charging adequately um, or I had like some passive income and just other ways of making money, 
um, this wouldn't be quite so stressful to like be off work right now. And so that was also like one of those moments that really got my cogs churning in my brain. Yeah, it was the universe being like, okay, well, we tried to get your attention in one way, but now we're really just going to make it like adamantly clear. And I actually think this really goes in well to what I want to talk about next is boundaries. So you are definitely an expert on boundaries. I mean, you have the personal history of people pleasing to the point where, I mean, maybe, and maybe you'll argue this, but like you kind of like lost yourself or maybe, maybe you just didn't know who you were in the first place. And then starting to learn about boundaries and implementing those, then you really get to like know yourself and you get to have this own identity because you are so protective of your time, energy, and your sanity. So I'd love for you to share a little bit around boundaries, maybe your definition, and then maybe some of the common ones that you help people with and or you think that people really need to set in their lives. Yeah. Oh, I love talking about boundaries. <laughs> um, and yeah, you're right. I had I had no sense of identity because I had no boundaries. Um, and I also would say too, like looking back on it, I also didn't really have much respect for other people's boundaries. Um, and I think that's actually like maybe a little bit of a hard pill to swallow, but I think uh, oftentimes people who don't have any of their own boundaries also struggle a bit with other people's boundaries. Um, and so, yeah, like learning about boundaries has been such a journey in my life. Um, the way that I like to think of them is that boundaries allow us to have some control over how we interact with the world and how the world interacts with us. And a lot of times we think about boundaries as being really restrictive, like even, okay, even the word boundaries, what initially would come to my mind, <laughs> honestly, is like when I was in, so I like, I used to be a Christian and like when I was in youth group and they are talking about like, okay, ladies, if you hang out with a boy, like if you're sitting on a couch, both your feet need to be on the floor, like, you know, no being alone in a room together, like really my conception or my conceptualization of boundaries was like, um, all around like purity culture and like everything in life that you wanted to do, but you couldn't do. <laughs> and I think that's like what a lot of us still in one way or another, we think of boundaries as like, oh man, if I set a boundary, that means I can't do this or I'm going to be alone or no one's going to like me or people are going to think I'm bossy or like I'm a bitch or I'm a prude or like all these things. But it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. That is like such a negative way of looking at boundaries and you can use them that way. Like you certainly can, but I view them as more of like an invitation of saying, hey, if you want to be a part of my life, here's how you can do that in a way that like I feel safe and respected and that I think that, you know, you can too. Like it's an invitation. Um, and I like looking at it as an invitation because 
Yeah, there are some people in my life who I give like the VIP backstage pass, like come as close as you want. And then there are other people in my life who it's like, I'm going to give you like the GA. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> uh, you get no sleep then, tickets. <laughs> yes, yes. And then there's some people who it's like, you know, you can, you can like watch this on TV, but that's, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you can catch the replay later. Yes, exactly. <laughs> no bloopers for you. Yeah, <laughs> I love that. So I got two things for you. One, it's winter. And if you're like me and live in a very cold, (laughs) dry environment, you might be struggling a little bit with your skin. And two, I've been traveling a ton. I think I traveled more in 2022 and 2023, the beginning of this year, more than I have probably ever in my lifetime combined. I've just been recyced on travel and visiting places and experiencing things. But because of that, my skin is struggling. All of the air on the airplane, eating things that I maybe wouldn't normally eat, going and probably like not showering as often as I should be. Clear Stem has been such a lifesaver, specifically their bounce back serum. This is their collagen serum that what they call it is actually the no Botox Botox because it provides so much skin tightening benefit and wrinkle support. It helps to hydrate and restore. It is definitely thicker than their Cell Renew Serum, which I also really love. So I use the Bounce Back at night in addition to their exfoliating vitamin scrub. And honestly, like it makes me feel so bougie. I freaking love it. Skincare is something that I've really been focusing on a lot more lately because with my business, I am on camera and I'm on video a lot. And I just feel a lot more confident personally when I know that my skin is looking great and Clear Stem has been such a big part of that lately. Their bounce back serum is renewing to the skin and doesn't contain any pore clogging ingredients. That's one of my favorite parts about Clear Stem is that they have this massive commitment to not using pore clogging ingredients. I mean, do you remember when coconut oil was all the rage and we all thought that that was a good idea to like use on our face and shave with and put it in our hair and it turns out that coconut oil is extremely pore clogging and for me, I have very sensitive skin. So if anything is on there, like even putting sunscreen on, I'm like, oh, yep, definitely gonna break out from that. So ClearStem actually has on their website an entire list of pore clogging ingredients that you can go find. You can go to clearstemskincare.com and read all about those. I was definitely using ingredients that I had no idea were clogging my pores. Once I learned about that, then now I'm a lot more selective about the things that I put on my skin. I actually ran out of the bounce back serum a couple of weeks ago and it was a noticeable difference in my skin. So I made sure to reorder double so that I won't be running out again. And I'm so happy to have it back. If you are curious and want to try out the bounce back serum, you can head on over to clearstemskincare.com and use the code Chelsea, C-H-E-L-S-E-A for 15% off the serum or any other one of Clearstem's incredible products. Like, 100% would recommend each and every single one of them. I have tried every single one of their products and have all of them. Use them personally every single day. Again, that code is CHELSEA for 15% off any Clear Stem products. Tag me on Instagram at expandwithchelsea when you get your order so I can see what you got. 
that's just such a good way to think about it too, is like, you're not necessarily like revoking access from people. You are just changing the way in which they get it. And the way that I think about it a lot is you're giving somebody a user manual. And if they don't want to follow the user manual, that's totally fine. But like, they don't then get access to the user, which is you. Yes. Oh, yeah, that's so good. Yeah. And another thing about boundaries too, is that, and I talk about this in my course. Um, oh, so I have, a, I have a course about boundaries. We can talk about that. But even the way that I just started talking about boundaries was so like others focused. But I think the most important boundaries are the ones that we have with ourselves. And I think those are the ones we struggle the most with. Like in one way, it's easier for me to tell someone like, yeah, you know, like don't call me after seven or whatever. Like it's so easy for me to tell my clients like, yeah, I don't answer emails on the weekend. But you know what's harder than that is me when I'm sitting on my couch and I'm bored actually making the decision not to check emails on the weekend. Like it's easy for me to give them that boundary, but for me to follow it is even harder Yeah. And I think too, that's why I wanted to talk about this with the drinking water. So (laughs) (laughs) this is something that you and I have talked about uh, quite a bit. And Kelsey just does not like water. She just doesn't. I think if, if given her own like free will, she would be like prune level dehydrated if if she could live off of that like I think that that would probably be like for you you'd be like yep great that's the direction we're going but our bodies really need water so what are some of the boundaries then that you had to set with yourself in order to get yourself to actually drink water and I mean I would argue you probably like feel a lot better now right like after getting into the routine of like getting water into your body Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> um, so I everything that you just said is so true. Um, I just don't like to drink. Um, but yeah, I, of course, I know like it's so important and I like preach it to other people all the time. Like our brains are mostly water. I mean, our brains are like big giant sponges. Um, and yeah, like I say that about 90% of the reason why I had to have my unexpected surgery was um due to lifelong like chronic dehydration um so it's been really important to me to drink more um one thing that I've been doing is I kind of just set this like little rule with myself that I'm not allowed to work out unless I've been eating adequately and drinking adequately um and that's been really huge because I love to work out. Like I love riding my bike or going on hikes or going to the gym. Like those things get me through the day and it's what I truly enjoy most in my fun time. So I made this rule with myself that was like, okay, you want to do that? Like you have to be adequately fueled. And that's not just food because I've had that rule with food for a long time. Um, but it's also with water. Um, Another thing I've been doing is I've been adding electrolytes to my water just to make the water itself even that that much more effective. <laughs> it's more enticing. <laughs> yes. Um, and so that's been really helpful, though, because I think it does, for some reason, it makes it more entertaining to drink, I guess. Like, 
Uh, like for example, I like to trail run more than running on pavement. Like I think running on pavement is the most boring thing in the world. Kind of like with water, like drinking this electrolyte kind of spices it up a little it's bit. It's fun. Yeah. Yeah. Fun. It's, so it's party fun. water. Yes. Um, another thing, this is like kind of silly, but I do really enjoy sparkling water, uh, like LaCroix and stuff. So, um, just giving myself permission to like, like that counts, like that's water. Um, and so, yeah, just finding little fun ways to do it. Um, but then, yeah, I, I am the kind of person that like in general, in my life, it's really important to me that anything I preach, like I also walk it. Like I never want to be the kind of person who has a big talk, but doesn't live it out. And so I kind of had this like kind of rule in my brain where it was like, okay, Kelsey, if you're going to recommend that your clients drink water, like (laughs) you have to drink water. And I kind of told myself like, okay, you're not going to recommend that to them if you're not doing it yourself. And then I was like, oh my gosh, like, I guess I have to do it because I'm not going to hold back like this, you know, good advice for them. Like they're paying me for this advice. And so, um, yeah, that's kind of been helpful for me too. I love that. Like you really are setting the example by what you do. And just like you said, like it's often the boundaries that we set with ourselves that are the hardest. So when you're working with clients, what's kind of, are there main themes that you see that people struggle setting boundaries? You know, is it between them and other people or is it more of like, I have these goals, but yet I'm not doing these things. So I need to set boundaries with myself. Like what tends to come up the most? Yeah, I see a lot of cognitive dissonance with my clients. So when I say that, I mean that people, like they are so smart. They know what they need to do, whether it's like a decision or a lifestyle change or a behavior um, or like a certain response in certain situations. Like they know and they can articulate it, but then it's followed up with like, I know that, but why can't I get myself to do it in the moment? And so that's something that I work with a lot of my clients on is kind of bridging that gap between knowing and doing. Um, I'll add with that, um, I tend to kind of specialize in anxiety. And so um, a lot of my clients are experiencing that cognitive dissonance due to anxiety and a lot of anxiousness. I don't want to generalize it because there's so many different factors and we're all so unique, but a lot of anxiety stems from a place of fear. Um, and especially like fear of being perceived a certain way by other people. And so a lot of boundaries work again, it's like personal. It's not with so much with the other party, but it's like, okay, what do you need to do so that like their beliefs about you don't weigh as much as they do? Because right now it's like overriding the scale. Interesting. I'm just thinking about the cognitive dissonance piece. Like, I'm like, oh my God, I probably do that so much in my day. <laughs> like, okay. We're not even a, like aware of it, right? Like, we're like, oh, that thing's, you know, not okay for other people, but it's totally fine for me. And we're like doing doing the same things, like essentially just like 
being hypocrites, but not meaning to be, right? But I think a lot of the times with that disconnect, it's uh, because we're like moving too fast too. Like Mm -hmm. we're just doing too many things in a day and also like doing too many of the wrong things. Yes. So this is like, (laughs) this is so embarrassing, but I mean, really it's not because I think it's really real. And I think a lot of people actually can relate to this, but I will say, so I, I really don't enjoy drinking water, but I do know that one of the motivations underneath that of why I don't like drinking water is because I don't like taking the time to have to go pee. And when I really analyzed that one day, it was like, oh my gosh, Kelsey, like talk about hustle culture. Mm -hmm. Totally. Like peeing is detoxing. Like it keeps you healthy. It keeps you safe for so many reasons. It's a a human right. Like, and you are like, you're depleting yourself of that, like natural biological ability to cleanse yourself because you don't want to like get up from your desk and walk down the hall and go pee and then have to wash your hands. Like what an inconvenience and do that every hour. Um, but that's, yeah, that's one of those, those pieces with the cognitive dissonance. Like I would look at my water bottle all day and I, it seriously would be right in front of me. And I'd be like, all you have to do, like, it's just a pull top. You don't even have to unscrew the lid. Like just put it in your mouth and squeeze, you know, but I was just like, no, because if I do that, then I'm going to have to go pee and like, oh my gosh, it's, it's so silly. But I think that's like a prime example of it. Or, you know, people, people will be like, okay, I know I need to have this hard conversation or I know I need to uh, cut ties with this person or I need, I know I need to quit my job. I see a lot of that. Um, and they know it, but they're like, I just like cannot bring myself to initiate that conversation. Um, and so something that I talk through a lot with my clients is like, well, let's just imagine that you did like, let's imagine that you, you made the decision that, you know, you want to, and you know that you should, how would you live your life any differently? And I kind of have them describe to me, like, if you made that decision on a Tuesday, how would you wake up on Wednesday and go about your day? And then we kind of just find little ways that they can start to, I kind of call it like trying on. So it's like, how can you try on that, that decision and start to live as if you, you did it? Um, and that can be a really helpful exercise for people sometimes because they start to realize that what they desire and what they want is actually already a lot more accessible than they thought. Mm -hmm. I love that so much. Like, okay, you don't have to, but let's just think about what if you did. And then, I mean, that's probably also really helpful because it gets them into feeling what it would be like. And maybe that helps a lot in terms of empowerment and confidence and just bridging that gap a little bit too. And that's just such a, it's, it's a, such a big thing. Like even as a coach, I see all of these things and I'm like, okay, we've talked about this four times. You say that this is the issue and you know, you need to do this thing, but you just haven't quite done it yet. So do you feel like that's really the helpful thing to get people to like move, move through it and like make that decision or have that hard conversation? Or are there usually like a couple of steps? Like I know everybody's very different, but do you find that people then move from where they're at to where they want to be relatively quickly after that? 
Yeah, I think that can be a really helpful exercise because then they'll come back and if they've done it, then they can be like, okay, it's actually not what I thought it was. I want to go back to the drawing board or sometimes it just gives them enough of a taste of it to be like, oh yeah, let's do this. Mm -hmm. Um, But I, I also think a lot of it, it comes with turning within and kind of figuring out like what is that actual fear and where is that fear coming from? Um, What does it sound like? What does it look like? Um, Another exercise that I often do with clients um, is an empty chair exercise where I kind of do a different spin on it than what like most of us are trained like the way we're trained to use it. Um, but what I'll do is I'll have a client sitting on a couch and then I bring over an empty chair and I have them look at the chair and I say, I just made a clone of you and she is sitting in this chair right now. And I want you from the couch to talk to her, except I want you to talk to her from your critical self. So all those critical thoughts that you have like towards yourself, I want you to vocalize them to her. And so they say all of these, you know, really just mean and harsh critical things that they're thinking or express like their fear or their worry about what's going on. And then I have them stand up and go sit in the chair. And now I say, okay, now you are embodying this other part of you that just heard all of that information and that just took all of that in. And this is your more authentic self. And I want to just give you the chance to respond to that person who was just speaking to you. And that right there is usually really powerful. Um, It's usually very emotional and they just get to kind of say like, you know, that hurt. And, you know, they just get to express where they're coming from with that. And then we have a conversation about like, okay, what was it, what was it like to be spoken to in both of those different ways? And like, what was it like to actually like out loud vocalize some of those things? Um, And a lot of times that exercise is also like really moving. And I share that because even though I'm in the room and I'm telling them what to do and like facilitating it when they're having that conversation within their different parts, like I'm just a fly on the wall. Um, And so anyone really can do that kind of exercise. And so um, what, if you're like, you know, having a difficult time with a decision, or if you are really having a lot of critical thoughts, maybe if you're dealing with just kind of some low self-esteem, it can be a really interesting exercise to kind of embody those things and give a true voice to both of those uh, thought patterns. That's so powerful. I love that. I love that so much. Like it, I think also invites in a lot more compassion too, Mm -hmm. because when we just like leave things up in our heads, I mean, just, yeah, it's like a whole swirly nebulous mess up there. But then when we're actually speaking them out loud, it's like, oh my God, that's what I've like been saying to myself or that's how I've been judging myself. It makes it, I think, a lot more real. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Cause a lot of times people are like, wow, to hear it out loud in my actual voice and like, you know, you feel the vibrations of it. Like 
that is really, really harsh. And I didn't realize how harsh it was. Mm -hmm. And like, I would never speak that way to someone else. And then also on the flip side, when they do get to respond more compassionately and like get to express how that hurts and stuff, a lot of times people are like, I've never even stood up to myself in that way before. Powerful. I would love to switch gears a little bit into how you operate as a business owner. So I want to hear, are there non-negotiables that you have throughout your day? You know, things like journaling, pulling cards, meditating, whatever it is that you know set you up well for your workday. And then I want to dive into human design a little bit. But I want to hear first, you know, if you have like maybe a morning routine or maybe even like an evening routine, like just the things that you know set you up well for your day. Yeah, this has been something I've really been intentional about developing over the last year. Um, with my morning, I, I've i really come to find that I love to have a slow morning, um, which is funny because I'm like, I'm a huge morning person, morning person all the way. I used to wake up at like 5 a.m. and hit the ground running. And now I'm still a morning person, but I've been waking up more so around like six and I spend like I don't know, like at least 30 minutes still in my bed, just like laying there and looking at the ceiling or thinking or reading a book or something. So have kind of a slower morning, drink some water, drink some tea. Um, I take NED, uh, CBD oil, um, the de-stress blend. That's like a part of my morning routine. And then, yeah, I usually pull two cards I just kind of ask, like, what do I need to be aware of today? And yeah, I draw an animal card and a crystal card. And then um, I usually just kind of start my day from there. Um, and then with the when I get into the office, I have I have like four lamps in my office. And so I go around and I turn them all on. But the last one that I turn on, I also have like a little mantra written out. Um, and so I usually will like read that and then I turn that lamp on. And then at the end of my work day, when I leave, that's the last lamp that I also turn off. And it has like an end of the day little mantra that I read too. And it's all focused around like releasing the energy, um, sending my clients on their way well, and like trusting that they will continue the work on their own and that I don't need to keep working for them once I leave. Um, and then I turn that lamp off and I leave. And then for bedtime, um, it kind of varies, but I try to take the, the Ned sleep blend, but I often forget. And then, um, yeah, I just like brush my teeth and I get my comfy clothes on. And then I usually read for like 30 minutes or so to just try to like calm my brain down before I, I go to sleep. Mm -hmm. And that's that's really helpful too, I think, for people to heal, to hear, even if they're like a healer as well. Like I am not responsible for my clients past like the time that we have together. Mm -hmm. I know a lot of us as business owners, like the reason that we got into this is because we really care about people. Like we really freaking care, but it's actually not healthy for us to keep those energetic cords open because we're creating things like codependency. We're not allowing our clients to go out and flourish on their own. And also it's like an attention and energy leak, right? Like if we're like kind of like 
half thinking about them, half thinking about our drive home. Like it's it's not a good situation, right? Like we need to be paying full attention to what we're doing in our lives. And I really love the the lamp affirmations. I think that that is just that's it's so powerful for to have that like visual reminder of like you need to to, to pay attention to these things because it's super easy to forget otherwise. Yeah, totally. Well, and like one thing that you said that I wanted to just add on to too is like with the clients when they're no longer here with me, like the kind of philosophy I have is that we all like have everything we need. We're all so capable of facilitating our own healing. And that's like, that's like a core tenet of how I do my work as a, as a counselor and as a coach. Like I want to empower my clients to be able to continue their work outside of the office. And so if I am constantly worrying about them and thinking about them, that's just sending the message that I don't believe in them, that I don't believe that they can do it. And that's just not true. Like I, at the end of the day, no matter how severe or difficult people's circumstances are, I do know that like, we're all capable of, of our own healing. And so by me, just like worrying about them all the time, that's just like not living into that, that belief at all. Yeah. It's, it's energetically, that's the message that you're sending. And the things that we do are just equally as important as the as the thoughts that we're having. Like the universe truly hears it all. Like we can't really escape with that type of thing. So I'd love to hear a little bit. So you and I working together, we talked a lot about human design and just learning how you operate as an individual. So learning that you were a manifesting generator, did that change anything for you? Did it make any like light bulb moments go off for you? Or what was kind of your reaction to learning that you have this type of the manifesting generator? Okay, honestly, (laughs) it was like, at first I was kind of frustrated by it because I was like, of course I'm a combination. Of course I can't just be like, no one. (laughs) But like, and yeah, if you know me and you know how just like in the best way, how all over the place I am, like it actually... (laughs) 100% makes sense. So like on one hand, I was just like, okay, this just further validates like, this is just the way I'm wired. But then it also was like, gosh, dang it. I was really hoping that like, maybe this one would be simple. (laughs) Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's kind of triggering. Like when I learned I was a projector, I was like, absolutely not. I'm not that don't put no, I'm not a tired person. Get me the fuck out of here. I don't want this. So (laughs) You know, and the best thing about the manifesting generator is just the ability to be multidimensional. I mean, we all are as human beings, but like for you, if you only did one thing, it just would not feel good for you. Like that's why you have the coaching aspect. That's why you have your courses. Like doing all of those together is truly what brings you fulfillment. Yeah, it's so true. And I mean, way, way before I ever even heard of human design, I remember telling people like, in order for therapy to be a sustainable profession for me, I have to have other outlets. And so it really is like that exact definition. And so, yeah, it was like, like therapy and I had a podcast, which is like on its own little sabbatical right now. But um, yeah, it was like therapy plus a podcast. And it was like therapy and courses, therapy and 
courses and a podcast and coaching, like to some people that sounds like a lot, but to me, that is like what is most fulfilling because I would be so bored if I could only do like one bucket. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So just really embracing that. And then so the sacral authority piece. So this is all about like listening to your gut. Do you feel like you had, well, I mean, I think your life path kind of shows that like you were listening to your gut. Maybe, it, yeah, again, logically didn't make sense with all these transitions that you were making. But after learning that you are somebody that does really well with more like yes or no, like does this feel contracting to me? Does this feel expansive? How has that kind of changed or shifted for you? Yeah, I think that that has been really empowering because I think deep down, I always knew that about myself. Like I'm a very intuitive person. um, And I think that I developed those muscles like at a really young age. Um, But at the same time, I think as, as a therapist, as uh, I'm like so capable of understanding nuance. And so a lot of times I would kind of get lost in that where I would be like, okay, well, this is what I think, but I also see this perspective and I also see that perspective. And like, just, I think therapists kind of have this great, like eagle eye view kind of um, perspective on things. Like we're able to just see things from so many different perspectives And so a lot of times I would get caught up in that because I would be like, well, gosh, what's the right decision? Because I can see value in all of them. And so then knowing like, no, 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 like it's okay for you to see it from all that way, but like, listen to your body, like listen to your gut, go with what you thought. And as I've looked at different things in my life in hindsight, like almost every time I can tell you like, yep, I listened to my gut on that one and it was right. Or like, yep, I did not listen to my gut on that one, but I knew I should have, and this is what happened. And so it's really cool to like, look back on that data and then moving forward, be like, okay, like you can trust this. You can trust you. You can trust your body. Like what is the answer? Ooh, that's a big one. Ooh, you (laughs) can trust your body. Oh, and I wonder too how that plays into like the drinking water, right? Like, was that kind of confusing then? Because like your your body didn't really like, or maybe it was your mind didn't really want water, but your body is like sitting there like screaming out for the water. It's like, I need the water. And you're like, no, it's plain. I don't want to drink it. Like, have you thought about that connection at all? Yeah, actually, because it's like, it's crazy because my yeah, my brain was just like, no, like water is stupid. I will not drink it. And, but then my body literally like ripped a hole in itself, you know? And so it's like, (laughs) it's, it's like, okay. Um, your body really wants and needs this also like you're tired and you're, you have dark circles under your eyes and like your skin is so itchy. Like my body was screaming for water like sometimes I truly would only pee like, like for real twice a day, like it was bad. And so, um, yeah, my body was very clearly communicating and, and that's something that, um, ironically enough in other ways, I work with my clients a lot on is like, okay, what is your body telling you? Like a lot of my clients don't feel like they can trust themselves. Um, 
And so we start out with, with figuring out, okay, if you can't trust your like emotional capacities yet, that's okay. Let's just start out with like learning how to trust your body. And we start out with something really simple. Like when was the last time you ignored your urge to pee? Next time you notice that you have to pee, I want you to like get up and go. Or like when you are deciding what you want for dinner, like just what sounds good. And we just play with it with like little things like that. Um, And then later that translates to being able to like trust their mind and their emotional capacity. This conversation is making me like so thirsty. (laughs) I've got my (laughs) bottle of like electrolytes sitting out there and I'm like, okay, I know what I'm doing after this. Like (laughs) building up that trust in your body though. I mean, and that's like a big concept of human design. And that's why I was curious if you had made that connection, which you definitely had, but it's all about like, we're not, we're not meant to be making decisions out of our mind. Like for me, it's my emotions tell me what decision is correct for me. For you, it's your gut tells you what decision is correct for you. And then every time we like get the mind in there, we're trying to like logic our way out of things. That's when we really get into like sticky messes. But we've also been conditioned not to trust ourselves, not to trust what our body's telling us. So I think a lot of the work that you're doing is just helping people get in touch with themselves again and starting to learn how to trust their own decision making. 100%. Because if we wrap this back around to the boundaries piece, like... How many of us have had this experience where you're like five years old on a road trip and you say, hey, hey, mom, I got to pee. And your mom's like, yeah. no, you don't just hold it. Like, Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> so even from a really young age, you know, we're taught like and, you know, no offense to parents out there because, yeah, that would be annoying those little bladders. But like, um, you know, yeah, like from a young age, we're kind of taught to ignore those things or like. I know that, you know, like you were a swimmer. I was a dancer. Like you got to go, but you've got like a leotard on and like tights and all this stuff. Like you train yourself to disassociate. You train yourself to separate your brain from your body. And, um, you know, you get through to the next thing and, and, you know, it, it can get really complex. Like people who then have, who have experienced like lifelong trauma some of those signals that their brain has been sending to them, they have learned to shut out those signals. And so for a lot of people that I work with too, it's figuring out, okay, what signals are real and what signals are perceived? Because like, you know, you talk about this a lot, like our brains don't know the difference between perception and reality. And that's especially true with people who have like trauma backgrounds or people who have a lot of experience with separating from their bodies. So, you know, people with um, disordered eating or eating disorders or, um, you know, just like all kinds of, all kinds of things. I think I see this a lot with athletes too. Like we get good at just ignoring and pushing through and maybe there's a context for that, but figuring out how to navigate, that's really important. Mm -hmm. I love that. That's the, that's like the flip side too, right? To like manifestation is like, yes, well, you could just like tune into this perception that you want to become your reality, but it's, it's also very, very real on the other side, like you're saying. Um, and I'm, it's really funny that you brought up like the little kids in the car, like needing to go pee. My 
youngest sister, <laughs> we make fun of her all the time for this. Like she was that kid that had to pee all the time. And my parents were like, no, you don't. You don't need to. And <laughs> so there was one time where she was just like, fine. And she just peed all over the backseat. <laughs> yes. There, my parents were like, okay, we'll pull over. <laughs> she was just like, great. You don't believe me? Like, I'm just going to let it happen. Yes. Oh my gosh. I love that. (laughs) Oh my God. That's it's yeah. Laughing about that quite a bit. And okay. So to wrap up, I want to talk a little bit then about your transition into adding coaching. So was this primarily so that you can start helping people outside the state of Indiana? Yeah, there was a couple motivations for it. That was a big one. Um, you know, and I think this will be really helpful for any other therapist listening to, you can only meet with so many people like or coaches, anyone like you can only meet with so many people directly one on one. And so part of it was me figuring out how to scale. And when I wanted to start offering like courses and workshops and and things like coaching, um, those things it made more sense from like a liability standpoint to offer those in a different business. So those things are all kind of under my coaching business. Um, And yeah, what's really cool is that, so like with therapy, you can only work with clients who reside in the same state that you're licensed in. So for me right now, that's Indiana. Um, And it's not really like super easy to just Like you can't just be licensed in every state, like willy nilly. Um, So with coaching, I'm able to work with people across the states or across the world, even really. Um, It's not exactly the same as therapy. So like therapy is based off of a medical model. You are going to have something like a diagnosis, a treatment plan, um, it's, it's a lot more regulated, um, and based off of like some really specific theories and stuff, but with coaching, um, it's, there's just a little bit more freedom in that. And you also can be a little bit more directive and give advice. So like, if you're listening to this and you, maybe your mental health in general is pretty good, but you just need some guidance and advice on like, what do I do about my relationship or my career or navigating other like transitions or things in life? Um, I think coaching is a really great option because you can look at your coach and be like, what do you think I should do? And the coach can be like, well, since you asked for my opinion, I'll tell you. Um, and in therapy, like we don't do that. We're trained not to do that. So, um, Yeah, that was like a long way to answer your question. But one of the most exciting parts about coaching was the opportunity to meet with people all over. And yes, scaling your business because, and I'd love to hear just your final thoughts on this then, because I really do believe that we all deserve to make a very good living. We deserve to be compensated well for the skill sets that we have. And I'd love to hear your take on that. Yeah, 100%. I, I think it's so important. And I know that like, when I am being like, okay, we want to take it down to like Maslow's hierarchy of needs, which you can just, there we go. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Google that in your Google search engine. It's going to bring up something that looks kind of like an old school food pyramid. And at the very bottom of the pyramid, this is like your foundation. 
We all need our basic needs, food, water, (laughs) water, LOL, food, (laughs) water, shelter, safety. Like we need those things in order to make any, any kind of ascension. And I don't even mean that in a spiritual way, but like, if you look at it like a pyramid, the very top is self-actualization. That's you being your very best version of yourself. You cannot reach that without having your basic needs met. And so, um, you know, I, I tell it to my clients all the time, but then also for myself, like I'm a better therapist, a better friend, better partner, better, um, coach whenever I have my basic needs met too. And that means having to not worry about like paying for my groceries or my gas or keeping my like home at a temperature that I can afford. Like, um, whenever you're able to do all those things, you are so much better equipped to serve people. And so that means like charging an appropriate amount for your services. And I know like for me, I care a lot about what I do and I'm really good at it. And so I don't feel like, I don't feel guilty for charging well because I know that like I'm giving them what I'm charging them. Mic drop. Could not have said it better myself. And I love that you introduced the hierarchy of needs. I mean, that's, that's just perfect. So thank you so much, Kelsey, for coming on the podcast. I will link to where people can learn more about you and stay connected on your Instagram, on your website, your course, Boundaries for Abundance, and everything else that you offer. It was such a pleasure talking with you. I think I could absolutely talk to you all day, but we'll, we'll tie it off here. Oh my gosh. Yes. I could talk to you forever. It's like so crazy how like I found you from your podcast. So to get to like be sitting here on it with you is like such a special gift. We've made it. We've made it. I love it. I love it so much. Thank you so much for being here, Kelsey. And thank you everybody to tuning in. I hope that you were able to take away some big nuggets from this podcast and expand your ability to set boundaries and to, I mean, honestly, like really step into abundance for yourself as well, because the more that we do as individuals, the more that we empower other people too as well. A huge thank you to Kelsey for coming on the show and sharing all of her brilliance with us. To stay connected with Kelsey, you can find her on Instagram at Kelsey Keetel. That is K-E-L-S-E-E-K-E-I-T-E-L. Or you can find her on her podcast, Evergreen Thinking, which she just recently relaunched. And you can find out more about Kelsey's courses by heading to her Instagram and clicking the link in bio. I hope you loved this episode just as much as I loved having this conversation, and I already cannot wait to have Kelsey back on the show again. If you haven't yet left a rating and a review on iTunes, it is super simple and super easy. It doesn't take very much time to go do so, and I appreciate down to my core every single rating and review that I get. It is super, super helpful for podcasts 
to have both ratings and reviews. It helps other people find the podcast as well. And hopefully very, very soon, I will be drum rolling this brand new podcast title and the rebranding. I am having the rebranding being worked on by my web designer. She is absolutely amazing. I cannot wait to see what graphics she comes up with. And I am having a brand new reintro tune being created by my friend Devin. I can't wait to show you everything. It feels like this has been a long time in the works. This has been about a year and almost a half at this point since I knew, okay, I need to change the name of the podcast. But hey, here we are. Sometimes things don't happen on the timeline that we want them to. They always happen on the timeline that we need them to. Thank you so, so much for being here. Thank you so much for hanging out with me, spending your time with me and with Kelsey. I hope you have the best rest of your day and I will talk to you next episode. 